Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. My three daughters were found murdered in a pond behind my house. Three little black girls strangled, sexually assaulted, and thrown in a pond. The community should have been notified. There's a child killer on the loose in Texas. Why haven't they been caught? They don't give a damn about black children or black people in Cass County. They never have, they never will. Homosexuals have no space in Uganda. The extreme laws passed in the African country of Uganda. You are arresting us for simply existing. How did we become refugees in our own country? Where being gay can mean the death penalty. And I prioritized TikTok over sleep. I haven't been okay for a really long time. That was a red flag for me. TikTok trauma, how the app may be killing our mental health. It was all-nighters. It was sacrificing my body for TikTok. Our teenagers are in a crisis right now. All that and more as the Black News Revolution starts right now. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Mara Escampo. There's a child killer on the loose in East Texas, and no one seems to care very much. It's been more than a year since three sisters, ages nine, eight, and five, disappeared from their home and were found brutally murdered. But this shocking crime has gotten very little attention from the media and seemingly law enforcement, as not one single arrest has been made. Well, tonight we do our own investigation into this terrible crime as Revolt Black News presents Catch My Killer, the Cass County Child Murders. Atlanta, Texas is a rural community seemingly stuck in time. Everyone mainly knows each other. They have like certain little bitty stores, um, not really big shopping malls. So it's mainly a country town. It's not really a big city. Near the border with Arkansas in Cass County, Texas, Atlanta has a population of barely over 5,000, with 13% living in poverty. When you get to Cass County, you would think more of the 80s. It's almost shocking when you see some of the homes where our people are living. You would not believe in 2023. On July 29, 2022, this small town was hit with a big tragedy. The sisters, ages five, eight, and nine, were reported missing last night. Josephine Webster says she was coming home from work when a neighbor asked for help in making a call. I gave him my house phone. He called Shomanique Wickerson Oliver, the mother of children he'd been babysitting, with terrible news. And told me that the kids were missing. He didn't say how many kids. He just said, kids, your kids are missing. And what was your reaction? How they go missing, why they go missing, why they not in the house, and why you just now calling and it's almost time for me to get off. While she was at work, three of Shomanique's six kids vanished. Sisters nine-year-old Zyariel Robinson Oliver, eight-year-old Amaya Hughes, and five-year-old Tamari Robinson Oliver. The neighbor also remembers another detail about the caller that night. He was wet. I noticed that. Shomanique called the police, and a search was immediately launched. It's just like any rural community. Everybody knows everybody. There was lots of, and lots of people out searching for the, uh, these girls. 
Soon, clues led police to this secluded pond about 500 feet from the family's home. A shoe belonging to one of the girls was found near a pond, along with footprints in the mud near the water's edge. We located items of clothing around the pond and in the pond, so we centered the search on that small body of water. And then around 2 a.m., just hours after the sisters were reported missing, a mother's worst nightmare. I was at my house in the yard by the fence. They just came up there and told me that they pulled one of them out and they described one of my kids to me and then I'm like, that's Amaya. That was my eight-year-old. I ended up having a heart attack when they pulled one of my kids out. So I had to end up getting rushed to the hospital. And then I was told that they pulled out the other two while I was at the hospital. At first, officials said the cause of death was drowning, a terrible tragedy. So when they were announced that they were drowning, it was very sad for the community. I wanted to figure out, you know, what was going on. And honestly, I wanted to send my condolences to the families. You have to think about what this family you know, is going through. So as a reporter, I try to put myself in their shoes and I was, I was just deeply hurt. Then months later, a shocking announcement. Nearly eight months later, after their bodies were pulled from a Cass County pond, the DA says that case is now a homicide investigation. This was no accident. It was murder. Tell me about your girls. Let's start with Amaya. What kind of little girl was she? She was the crazy, goofy child of mine. She loved to dance and sing and play with her sisters and play outside and try to cook. Tamari and Zyariel, whenever you see Zyariel, you see Tamari. Whenever you see Tamari, you see Zyariel. They're like each other's sidekicks. They all love to dance, do TikToks with each other. Um, I'm sorry to, to have to make you relive this, but did you see your girls before you laid them to rest? Uh, yes, I did at the funeral home. Did they have obvious injuries? Yes, ma'am. Injuries from what would have been a violent death at the hands of a child murderer. I was told that they were strangled. They had lacerations to their faces. And they were also, yes, sexually assaulted. The deaths of three sisters in this small rural town were shocking enough. But now the community was also left wondering why officials waited eight months to reveal the homicide investigation. Right now, there's a child killer on the loose in that county, and nobody is aware who this person is, where that person is, or when they may strike next. I was honestly shocked. I couldn't believe it. We want to know, why did y'all rule it as a drowning first before y'all even investigated it or, you know, determined that? We tried to reach out to the DA's office during that time. We could not reach them. Then we, were ju we just hit a big roadblock in the case. Dr. Joy Carter has worked on more than 20,000 autopsies throughout her 40-year career and says officials likely knew right away that there was foul play. When a body comes out of water, you may wait the next day because as the blood settles in the body, injuries to the neck area will show up as bruising underneath the chin and around the sides of the neck. That should give you an indication something's not right. 
when you have the killing of three little girls, the community should have been notified. They should have been notified very quickly. There's really no excuse to have eight months lapse when three little girls have been killed. Now, a homicide investigation is underway. Who in this small town could have committed such a terrible crime? Who was the last person who was with the girls? Um, a family member that's been staying with us for almost two years, my cousin, Paris. Paris is the man who showed up at the neighbor's house to use the phone, reportedly wet. These pictures of an injured props were posted online after an alleged confrontation with police in 2018. Paris has a long criminal history going back almost 10 years for various offenses, including drug possession, weapons charges, tampering with evidence, and promoting prostitution. Had he watched the girls before? Yes, he's always watched them. Have you ever had any issues with him? No, ma'am. What did your four-year-old mean? Pretty much the girls went into the wood with Paris. She just kept repeating it over and over and over. The four-year-old can be heard in the background of Shomanique's video speaking about the loss of her sisters. And I tied. Revolt Black News has uncovered information suggesting law enforcement zeroed in on Paris right from the beginning. This warrant issued a few days after the murder is for Paris's DNA. And a search warrant for the mother's house issued the same day the girls were found is for, quote, any wet or muddy clothing or any evidence of capital murder or murder. Shamanique told us that while she did see officers take DNA samples from underneath Paris's fingernails, nothing has happened since then. And did you talk to him at all after that point? I tried, but he wouldn't answer us at the house, not looking, not answering, not talking. A lot of people would want to take justice into their own hands in that circumstance. Looking at the person who was last seen with their child and they are not answering your questions, your children, looking at the person who was last seen with your children and they refuse to tell you what they know. How did you restrain yourself? I thought about it. I did. I really did. But then I had to think, who's going to take care of my other kids if I was done something crazy? To your knowledge, has Paris been arrested? No. Has he been brought into a police station? No. Have you asked them why they have not arrested the last person seen with your children? Yeah, they brought up a lawsuit and then that they don't have enough evidence to even bring anyone in. I just want answers. After the break, the explosive allegations that no one saw coming. Are investigators focusing on the wrong person? Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Catch My Killer. More than a year after the murder of three young sisters, many people in the small town of Atlanta, Texas, have their suspicions about who is behind the terrible crime. Until some family members make shocking allegations that no one saw coming.
My name is Shamanique Wilkerson. My three daughters were found murdered in a pond in Cass County behind my house. A heartbroken Texas mother desperately seeking action and answers in the murder of three of her children, nine-year-old Zyariel Robinson Oliver, eight-year-old Amaya Hughes, and five-year-old Tamari Robinson Oliver. If there is any information on who took my kids to the woods and threw them in a pond and did unbearable things that was not called for to any child, because um, my kids deserve justice. Yet more than a year after the girl's murder, no arrests. There have been a number of questions about how officials in Cass County, Texas, have handled this case. How could law enforcement make such a grave error in their investigation as to quickly rule it accidental drowning? But yet the medical examiner's office says once they looked at the girl's faces, they knew this was not an accidental drowning before they ever even completed the autopsy. You think in terms of investigating a death, getting in at the beginning, making sure evidence is collected, it is deposited where it's going to be safe, there's good documentation. And these are things that, in my mind, did this happen? First, officials said the girls drowned in a pond by their house. But eight months later, they revealed it was actually a homicide investigation, and the girls had been strangled before being dumped in the water. On March 27th, days after the homicide investigation was announced, I spoke directly to Cass County District Attorney Courtney Shelton. During that call, she told me the reason the public wasn't notified sooner is because there had been a delay in getting the autopsy back. But in a press release issued three weeks later, she directly contradicts that account, her office admitting, quote, the case was immediately treated as a homicide investigation, adding the preliminary autopsy report stated cause of death was homicide. Why are they telling the media this? Why are we getting this limited information? Once they realized that it could potentially be a homicide, I think people got really upset and they were demanding justice. We requested a copy of the autopsy, but were denied pending a ruling from the state attorney general, quote, because the investigation is still ongoing and involves juvenile victims. Have you requested the autopsy? I have, but I got denied. But they didn't give me a reason to be denied. Investigators say they've been doing everything possible to solve this case, writing, quote, DNA evidence was collected, canines were utilized on the property, and a Texas Ranger dive team searched the pond for additional evidence. Multiple search warrants were executed and witnesses were interviewed. And then, out of the blue, a bombshell accusation that could turn the case upside down. Three family members closest to Amaya report that Paris Props had been molesting Amaya. In September 2023, 14 months after the girls were killed, a YouTube video by a self-proclaimed independent journalist and writer with the username The Ugly Truth contained explosive claims about Shomanique, who they refer to as Brie, reportedly from family members on the father's side. It is also reported that the CPS case list is a mile long. According to the video, alleged family members also claim Shamanique's story about the night the girls died has been inconsistent. She wasn't actually at work that night, and she spent money raised in the GoFundMe on herself. She told Maya to do something, and Maya wasn't moving fast enough. 
and she told me, she said, I, I, you want to make me punch you in your face. Two weeks later, Maya and Tamari and Zaire were dead. Mm. And I mean, two weeks to the day. Revolt Black News was not able to independently verify any of the claims in the video, and the YouTuber declined our request for an interview. Shomanique vehemently denies all of the claims in the video, saying they are from disgruntled relatives. And she says her main focus is on caring for her surviving children, ages 2, 4, and 11. How are you holding up right now? Uh, taking it day by day, best as I can. Some days I don't feel like getting out the bed or doing anything, but I got to. Um, and you have to because you're the sole provider for your kids, correct? Correct. Have you been able to take any time off to grieve? No, because if I do that, the bill's just going to keep on coming in. We reached out to the Texas Rangers, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and the DA's office, and were told there are no updates on the investigation. Three children brutally murdered, their bodies dumped in a pond, and still no justice. Is this the kind of place where a black child's life has value? No. Cass County is not a place where a black man or woman's life has value. And it's obvious to all of us now, even a black murdered children's lives has no value. Because if this case had value, the Sheriff's Department would be doing a whole lot more. They don't give a damn about black children or black people in Cass County. What would you say to the district attorney? If my kids were a different color, it'll be a different story. They would not be lounging around, dragging their feet, taking their time. If a white-haired, a blonde-headed white girl or blonde-haired white boy were killed, the person that was watching them could have been my color. They would have been in jail that same night. But since that's not the case, they don't really care. This is Cass County. Cass County don't care about black people. They never have, they never will. Shamanique marked the first anniversary of her girl's death with a balloon release. As of now, there are still no arrests. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. Welcome back. We're traveling to the East African country of Uganda, where many are facing some of the harshest anti-gay laws in the world. So extreme that being gay could lead to the death penalty. I can tell you, Madam Speaker, we are going to reinforce the law enforcement officers to make sure that homosexuals have no space in Uganda. On May 2nd, members of Uganda's parliament celebrated the passing of some of the harshest anti-LGBTQ laws in the world. This is the time you're going to show us whether you're a homo or you're not. And a few weeks later, Uganda's Anti-Homosexuality Act of 2023 became official, signed into law by Uganda's president, Yoweri Museveni. This issue of homosexuality is a very serious issue. 
because it is an issue of the human race. The penalties? Life in prison if convicted of homosexuality. Up to 20 years for the promotion of homosexuality. Seven years in prison for landlords who rent to homosexuals. And the death penalty for, quote, aggravated homosexuality, which includes the transmission of HIV through sex acts with children and disabled people, or of having sex with anyone deemed under threat. So the attacks are coming in. Us that are in hiding, we continue getting death threats. They continue telling us they are going to get to us and behead us. So right now the community is in great, great, great danger because of the Anti-Homosexuality Act 2023. Stephen Kabuye, activist and co-founder of Truth LGBTQ, speaks to us from his apartment in the Ugandan capital city of Kampala, where he fears for his life. So someone could come and tell you, you know, Steve, you guys don't deserve to be with us. You know, you irritate us, you deserve to be beheaded. So they forced us to go into the closet once again, yet we had moved out of the closet. Stephen shared with us these disturbing photos of his colleague Chantal Marungi in the hospital. My friend Chantal was attacked, beaten up on the way on the way from work. Right now he is recovering. He can't walk on his own. He needs support to walk. I thank God that He's now conscious again. But despite such horrific violence against those he loves, Stephen is willing to speak out, hoping to inspire others to rise up against hate. The message I send out there is people should embrace love and humanity. That is the only way we're going to change this world. That is the only way we're going to lead this world to the next generation. Because when you embrace humanity and love, there is no way you're going to be homophobic. Anti-gay sentiment has been building in Uganda for decades, and this new law has been percolating since 2009, when it was first proposed and referred to as the infamous Kill the Gays Bill. In 2014, the Anti-Homosexuality Act was first signed into law before being struck down by the courts. We are the children of the rainbow flag. The 2015 documentary, And We Still Rise, profiled LGBTQ activists in Uganda as they celebrated Pride Month and opened the country's first LGBTQ clinic in the wake of that law. But such optimism was short-lived. In 2019, four LGBTQ activists were murdered within three months, including Brian Waswa, a 28-year-old who was attacked while at home. Many LGBTQ Ugandans were forced to flee the country and seek asylum. You are arresting us for literally doing nothing, for simply existing, you know? But where are we supposed to go? Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. How did we become refugees in our own countries? Uganda isn't alone in its message of hate. While same-sex marriage was legalized in the U.S. in 2015, same-sex relationships of any kind remain criminalized in 64 countries around the world. Over half of them are in Africa, and the penalties range from imprisonment to the death penalty. When we start putting a death penalty to our fellow black people because they love different, imprisoning them for life because they love 
different. It's like we're going back to those ages where we fought for slave trade, where we fought for recognition as human beings. The response of the international community has been swift. United Nations Human Rights Chief Volker Turk urging Uganda's court to once again strike it down. I hope that the judiciary is going to look into it. And I can tell you, if they look at human rights law, their own constitution, they will find it in violation of it. President Biden called for its immediate repeal, saying the law is a tragic violation of universal human rights, one that is not worthy of the Ugandan people and one that jeopardizes the prospects of critical economic growth for the entire country. In response, the U.S. has also revoked visas for Ugandan ministers and threatened to withdraw over $1 billion in aid, much of it spent on health care and HIV prevention. I want the international community to put the sanctions in place, not only condemn, open its borders to person, to people like us that are in grave danger right now. But while our government threatens sanctions against Uganda, more than 20 U.S.-based conservative Christian rights groups have spent $54 million to spread homophobia across Africa. Among them are World Congress of Families, Fellowship Foundation, which sent more than 20 million to Uganda alone and are behind the 2009 Kill the Gays bill, and Family Watch International, whose founder Sharon Slater met with President Museveni and his wife, the First Lady, Janet. From that visit, the First Lady of Uganda came out and updated his Twitter on how she met Sharon Slater, the head of Family Watch International. And in their discussion, they discussed how homosexuality is a danger to the families in Uganda and called upon all Ugandans and all the legislators in parliament to work hand in hand to abolish homosexuality in Uganda. However, Family Watch claims that they did not at any time lobby the president and first lady to pass the law and that they pleaded with the Ugandan president to offer deprogramming for homosexuals by including, quote, a safe haven clause whereby people with unwanted same-sex attraction can voluntarily come forward to ask for help without fear of being arrested or penalized. It appears that Museveni heeded their plea. Nearly being suspected of being is not an offense in itself. You are a person to be helped if you want, if you can be, if you want helped. Because it was, it was said that some of the people can be helped to go, to, to get back to normal. Meanwhile, the estimated one million members of Uganda's gay population stay inside, hidden in the shadows. I, I can't tell you when I last saw sunshine. I only get out of the house at night Right, I can't move out during day. I'm in fear for my life. My life is threatened daily. I'm, I'm out of cash. I'm out of what to eat. I might end up giving myself up to the police so that I don't die of anger. Stay with us. There's more Revolt Black News Weekly on the other side of the break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech.
Welcome back. When it comes to social media, we all know the power of the scroll. But our Kennedy Rue is here to tell us why, in some cases, TikTok could be dangerous. Hey, Kennedy. Hey, Mara, you're absolutely right. TikTok can help you discover lots of fun new content. But is there a flip side? Is TikTok intentionally feeding you clips they know are bad for your mental health? The scroll. Love it or hate it, we all do it. And on TikTok, it's easy to scroll for hours, going down rabbit holes from dance trends to tutorials to just plain weird. So come to my live and comment, fix my teeth. It's one of the most popular and some would say addictive social media apps in the world with over 1 billion users. Gen Z prefers it with nearly 6 in 10 teenagers who say they use it daily. When you become addicted to TikTok, check my social media, to see who loves me While TikTok has become an outlet for creativity and inspiration, there's a darker side too. I haven't been okay for a really long time. And I continue to talk about systemic oppression and black mental health and how people in this society don't give a about people who look like me. There's a growing concern about how the app impacts the mental health of black Gen Zers, especially since research shows black teenagers are more likely to use TikTok. 81% of black teens use it compared to just 71% of Hispanic teens and 62% of white teens. I was just on the app a ton and I was on it for hours and hours. 23-year-old Jerome Yankee left TikTok in 2021 because he says scrolling was taking over his life. I prioritized TikTok over sleep and that was a, was a, a red flag for me just to be aware of. I was letting social media and the content other people were putting out affect me personally and physically. Before deleting TikTok, Jerome had dreams of going viral for his comedy videos. But over time, he started noticing something disturbing. It was all-nighters. It was sacrificing my body for TikTok. It was sacrificing my time. It was sacrificing, you know, my experience with my friends for TikTok. What makes TikTok different than other apps is the For You feed. It's an endless scrollable stream of curated videos that TikTok thinks you'll enjoy. Their recommendations are based on a number of factors. Videos you've liked, the type of content you create, accounts and hashtags you follow, and most importantly, how long you watch each video. It's infinite, you know, you can just keep going. There's no there's no particular endpoint. Each piece of content is short enough to where you don't really feel like you're consuming that much. So you can keep going piece after piece. Studies show the danger is in TikTok's algorithm. The app pushes self-harm and eating disorder videos to teens within minutes of joining, according to a new report by the Center for Countering Digital Hate. Researchers set up accounts posing as 13-year-old users interested in body image and mental health. Here's what happened. It recommended body image and mental health content every 39 seconds. Within 2.6 minutes, TikTok recommended suicidal content. And within 8 minutes, it pushed videos about eating disorders. Dr. Nicole Turner-Lee is a senior fellow at Bookings Institution and studies biases in social media algorithms. She says the problem with TikTok lies in what the users are exposed to. 
When you start to think about things like eating disorders, racism, classism, uh, beautyism, and all these other colorism, they all show up in some way on TikTok because communities are formed based on the algorithm. TikTok is owned by Chinese company ByteDance, but it's important to note that the algorithm for the Chinese version is vastly different, promoting science and culture content, and it limits users under 14 to only 40 minutes a day. As a therapist, I have witnessed uh, the dangers of overconsumption of social media and just being uh, granted access to a lot of the things that come with social media, specifically TikTok. Shaheem McLaurin is a licensed therapist and social worker and has more than 472,000 followers on TikTok. He's seen firsthand through his clients how social media can be used to build community and used for harm. Kids have a lot more access to toxic stories, uh, bullying, harassment, racism, you name it. These kids are being shown these things and these things are being pushed on, like Black children specifically. Suicide rates for Black youth is increasing faster than any other demographic, according to the CDC. Black children under the age of 13 are twice as likely to die by suicide compared to white teens. Our teenagers are in a crisis right now. They're in a state of dilemma. A crisis underscored by the U.S. Surgeon General's advisory that Black youth face a higher risk of depression and stress due to the pandemic and the recent racial reckoning over police violence against Black people. In the wake of George Floyd's death in May of 2020, Black creators complained TikTok either removed or hid their videos about the protests happening across the country. TikTok admitted a technical glitch affected the Black Lives Matter and George Floyd hashtags, making it seem like they had zero to few views, even though the hashtag had over one billion views. Beware that there are people who support Black Lives Matter alongside white supremacists on the same platform. But at the same time, Black creators have come out and felt censored on applications like this. Bro, I am sick and tired of this censorship, TikTok. Anytime I go on live speaking facts, bro, my live gets banned. What violation did I get? Whenever you get banned, it tells you the violation you did. So what did I do? Why is it blank? It's so hard and I'm so exhausted. And a lot of my mutuals are being bullied off of this app. Timmy Tope Abasoy blames algorithm bias for content not reaching her more than 99,000 followers. I stopped posting for a while just because of the fact that like, I was so tired of like putting out content that wasn't pushed out to the people that I fought, that wasn't pushing out um, to my For You page or to followers. Because we spend so much time making content and we don't see any like reward for our labor, that could also like be draining and be depressing. TikTok denies allegations of racism and censorship and in a statement emphasized that the platform is working hard to support Black voices and causes. Nevertheless, Black TikTokers say they still feel excluded on the app. I would not say that TikTok is a safe space for Black creators. So whereas we see all this hateful, extremist, homophobic content that actually shows up on TikTok, we also don't see the balance where there are imageries and stories and suggestions from Black content creators who often feel shadow banned, right, from these uh, technologies because their content is not floating to the top. Kennedy, thank you so much. Don't go anywhere. There's more on the other side of the break.
Welcome back. Our Kennedy is back with us. Hey, Kennedy. Hey, Mara. Well, we've seen the struggles our community faces when dealing with mental health issues like depression and anxiety. Here is the story of one powerful voice that has found light within the darkness. Tony Jones is inspiring women around the world through the healing power of music. This is Stand Up For, presented by State Farm. I love it here. I am a contribution of my present inner meditation and confession. I've grown into the woman I am today by being open and curious about what I don't know about myself. I'm so carefree. I'm so unbothered. I'm talking to the thoughts that told me I ain't got this. My name is Tony Jones, and I'm an affirmation musician that helps people talk to themselves better. I code the algorithm of my mind with loving, prosperous, dreamy imaginations. I have over 60 million streams on all streaming platforms. I am empowered, sensual soul. I am so deserving of loving and affection. Curiosity has led me to expand in my growth as an artist, as a community leader, as a mental health advocate, and as a woman. I grew up in Detroit and my family life, church gone folk. My parents growing up were the biggest influence of my life because they exposed me to spirituality and personal development. By keeping me in the church, I learned that there was a world of, you know, the supernatural, the unseen. So I was always had this insatiable curiosity of the unknown. So I got my degree in psychology at Ashbury University. Psychology and neuroscience influenced me tremendously because I'm to be honest, I wanted to hack my own BS. And my BS was victim, being a victim. So I wanted to learn how to take my power back by saying I'm responsible for myself. I'm responsible for my well-being, growth and development. What I once thought I was victim to it's getting weaker. So while I was studying psychology, I knew that I did not want to become a psychologist. So I wanted to start a coaching business to help women learn how their mindset works on a neurological level. Get your notepad out and get your pen out because we are going to ta be talking about affirming our highest imagination. My coaching business was called Wife Your Life and Wife stood for Womanhood and for Empowerment. And I wanted to help women understand that they can wife their life. And so that led me to start conversations in the women's empowerment space of entrepreneurship. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know what to expect coming into this, but today I'm leaving fulfilled. I'm feeling empowered, I'm feeling uplifted. The present is woman. I'll never forget the day when I got the idea for affirmation music. It was prayer meditation. I was in my bed in my bedroom and I was like, God, I need an idea to help my coaching business, to help women practice well-being on the go. And it just came to me like downloading an app. And I was like, affirmation music? Wait a minute. I'm the one that gets to do this. Created my album right in here. This is where all the curation happened. When I started the process of writing affirmation music, I grabbed all my journals, all my writings that I've written over the years, um, all the notes that I've taken at the retreats and pro spiritual programs I've been a part of. And I went to LA for a month 
And I wrote nine songs for my album, Affirmations for the Grown-Ass Woman, because I wanted these nine songs to represent the nine months it takes a woman to grow a human being. And I wanted women to, as soon as they push play, they can never go back. So I studied the greats because I knew that if I wanted to create some type of impact, I wanted to study how to do this. So Quincy Jones, Dolly Parton, Michael Jackson, Lauren Hill, Bob Marley. So those were my top people that I kept indulging in to learn how they created music. Fortunately for me, I do think everything is set up for me, living my best life. So I use all my life to keep me creating how I want to be living and feeling. So each song, I took it through a process that I learned from psychology, what the power of color is, the power of texture, the power of sound. And so I use certain words in a certain pattern to actually make my songs that more, more powerful and intentional. To get the mind to in, embrace growth, you have to hack the neurological pathway that says avoid growth. It's not safe. It's dangerous. It's traumatizing. It's triggering. All right, take two. I am worth starving the power and control that old fearful versions of me have thrived on. I remember the moment when I got in the studio and I got on that mic and I had my notebook of my, my writings of my songs. And the first song was No Is Bay from the first album. No, 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 no is Bay. No, 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 no. No, yesterday. In the back of my mind, I'm like, how do I know how to do this? And the first thing that came to mind was how me, my brothers and sisters and cousins used to make up silly songs just off the cuff. And I love you every day. <laughs> and so I'm like, maybe that's why I know how to do this. But I also entertained the idea that I have a gift. The future is activated by my presence. March 19, 2019 is when I released my first affirmation album. Once I started to see women posting, my story's not a commercial, not an advertisement. And reposting and reposting. I was like, do I have something? To sauce my future, be my now, and stun on my past. Stun on my past. But so much change, disrupt, destruction happened. Even in the midst of all of this good news and positive momentum, I worked for a nonprofit organization that hired social entrepreneurs to increase school culture positively through projects, coaching, and experiences. But I lost my position. Losing my job caused a lot of mental health challenge. I ended up being in a psych ward because I was dealing with suicidal ideation, but I knew I had enough curiosity to see what else can I like about life. And so by the end of 2020, World Mental Health Day, when I released my next project, I See Me Mantras, is when I said, you know what? I'm about to pursue this full time. And all of life obeys and adjusts to this masterful power I've always had. My music is being shared all over the world. I was placed on the Shy Show on Showtime. I'm a trip for this, they cannot resist. And uh, Savannah LeBron's wife followed me. She's reposted me. All of these celebrity high profile women have posted me. And it showed me that I have something. When I see myself, I see abundance. But because of what I went through, no matter how my career changes, I'm authentic and I know how to express myself. And it's, it's just the most fulfilling, exhilarating feeling that I just want to continue to see how much more can I enjoy this.
Well, that wraps it up for us. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, X, Revolt on YouTube, our Revolt Black News podcast, and download the Revolt app. Until next time, good night, everyone. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.